As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast. I am your host, Dr. James Bryant, and I have the pleasure of having Michelle Hayward here from Positive Hire today. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. And yourself, James? I am doing excellent. Could you do me a favor and tell the podcast audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a, as I tell people, I'm dirt road born and raised from South Carolina, real South Carolina, really small town where I grew up with a, a family of seven, one of five kids. Um, and it was always interesting because my mother really encouraged us to try different things. Not it, you, you would think, well, it's a small rural town. You can't get into a lot of stuff. You can't. But back in that time, we could go through the JCPenney and the Sears catalog. Yeah. Yeah. Love when they showed up, right? Like, oh, it's like, oh. Especially the of- Christmas catalog. Oh, my God. So the Christmas catalog, we would go through my siblings. We would just circle all the stuff that we wanted. But I would be circling the microscope, magnifying glass so I could see insects. And so even then, my mom wasn't it wasn't like, oh, don't do that. You know, that's really, you know, that's not the stuff, uh, you know, you would do. She was more like, okay, let's figure out how to pay for one or two of these things that you want because you're inquisitive and you're, you're interested in me. My sisters, on the other hand, they were getting like gym dolls in the car and the stuff like that. That wasn't my thing. Mine was really so over toward science, even as a kid, mm-hmm. it was really interesting because that's what I ended up in engineering anyway. So it was always interesting. I was in that Sears and JCPenney catalog at the Christmas catalog, especially circling toys that were so, very. So where the rest of us were circling pinball machines and other cool things or things that we thought were cool at the time, you were like, I want to learn more. I'm more inquisitive. I want to see how things work. That is pretty cool. I still, you know, I still did some other stuff because, you know, we had to have shared toys too or board games. But yeah, I was more on the inquisitive side. And pinball machines, let's let's think about it. That's a lot of physics and dynamics in uh, in that as well. So you may have thought it was a game, but you was actually hearing. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, Michelle is here to make science fun. That is pretty cool. So you've always been kind of moving down this science and technology angle. Um, and so how has your career progressed since being a kid? loving science and wanting to to learn more. What was next for you? What was next for me was I scored really well on math and science um, tests. And so it it lit the way for me to do engineering, an engineering camp at a, at a university I won't name, but, but that's, that's (laughs) one. But in between doing those camps, what happened for me as a child was, um, it was 1989, September 21st, a Category 5 hurricane named Hugo hit the state of South Carolina. And we lived just far enough inland. 
it's the winds from that hurricane literally stopped about 20 miles from where we live. Wow. We're an hour from Augusta, Georgia. Like that's how far inland we, but it's, and so, but my mom's younger sister and her family, they had a newer brick home that was destroyed mm. during that, that category five. And so I became interested in how do you build structures so that hurricanes don't, don't, don't destroy them. And so I tell people I was, I became a civil engineer at 12 years old because I wanted to know how to change that. How do you how do you build things so they aren't destroyed during a hurricane? Wow. That is the or that is a neat origin story about moving into the civil engineering world at such a young age. Um that's pretty cool. So Michelle, what are you doing now? Now I'm in I'm in tech. I, I started a, a tech company called Positive Hire. We do people analytics specifically to connect Black, Latina, and Indigenous women who are like me, experienced scientists, engineers, and technology professionals to management roles. And I spent about 15 years in corporate America, hit so many barriers. And as I was talking to other women that I'd gone through undergrad with, grad school, um, worked with, I wanted to know what their experience was like. And they were sharing worse experiences than I was. And, but they were very, very similar over and over and again. And so when I left corporate, I came with an idea of what is positive hire now and utilizing technology, utilizing people analytics to go into organizations, say, hey, these women are here. This talent is here. You're overlooking them. You're ignoring them. And this is an opportunity to help retain this talent. And so, Michelle, if you know, it would be great for our, our audience if you could talk about some of the, maybe in a general way, some of the, the roadblocks that the women that you've um, interviewed or talked to that they have in these firms, because I think people, they hear that, but I don't know if they really know what that means. Oftentimes women are regulated to scheduling the meeting, taking notes in the meeting. Nobody's even asking them their thoughts um, they are often mm -hmm. spoken over during the meeting and people taking what they said when they do speak as their own. And th mm. that is consistent no matter the industry, but it's, it's, it's harder in spaces where you're often the only one in the meeting on the team as a woman, as a black woman, as a Latina, as an indigenous woman. Then on top of that, the assumption that once you have kids, oh, well, you can't work late, so we won't let you lead the pr project. And then, or mm -hmm. you can't travel. And that's not your, that's not your determination. At, you have to ask me. And then the other part is there is, um, I, I have to introduce you. She's a civil engineer as well. Talk, mm -hmm. She talks about how as a civil, she wasn't given the really high profile project. She was given like, it was work, but it wasn't really stretching her as an engineer. It wasn't as glamorous. So she ended up leaving to create her own, design firm, civil engineering design okay. firm. And I get that as well. They're, they're not given really technical work, even though they want to, they're technically great at what they do. They may have their EIT or PE licenses, but they're not given those really great technical projects. And she was, and so it really causes often for women to leave the, the STEM and women of color only make up about a third of women of color leave. And I'm a civil engineer. And when we look at the numbers, engineers in the U.S., when you combine Hispanic women, Black women, mm -hmm. and Native women, we make up 3.9% of all engineers in the U.S. If a third of us wow. leave, 
you're you're, you're never yeah. going to build that that number up and so it's really important to retain that talent so those are some of the things that we often i hear over and over again that women encounter and and some of the other things even if you get the lead on a project you they will have they will schedule meetings and completely leave you out of the meetings make decisions about oh, your wow. projects for you and it's like what are you talking why would i do this like well that's what you're going to and they're telling you how to run your project when you were told you would get to run your project and and being completely excluded from these things is really huge as well as not getting the resources and so when i worked in construction i worked on the job mm-hmm. site for over a decade i was literally given a real wheel drive pickup truck I literally had to get a contractor to come pull me out of a mud hole because I had a real, and it was like, well, why didn't you avoid the mud hole? The road I was on in Texas, trust me, you didn't see that mud hole on this road until you were in the mud hole. Until you were in the mud hole. Because it was around <laughs> a curve under a tree. Um, and so it's really important that how you will be limited by resources. Mm-hmm. You, you will be excluded from different types of communication. You will be regulated to, relegated to less technical work. And that's often what we're seeing over and over and over again in these spaces. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done for you services or as done with you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've had a few uh, interviews of great women in STEM on the podcast. And that story that you're talking about being under-resourced, underutilized, um, managers making decisions for them in a sense, particularly when they start families and start having children, and all of the women come with this common thread is that it's not that other person's job to decide. Exactly. It's their job to decide how they're going to manage their family and how they're going to manage their time to be able to move forward and take on that next project or that work. Absolutely. And it's the opposite for men. Once they find out you have kids, a man has kids like, oh, well, you need you need this work. You need the promotion. We need to give you more pay. And it's like, well, I want to be home with my kids because they're going to grow up. I want to go to games and, and men are struggling on the opposite side. So it's really interesting how these biases and assumptions impact women and men differently, mm-hmm. but it does impact them. No, but you're absolutely correct because many clients that I work with where I help people win at work and at home face that issue where they're looking at their careers, they're climbing their career ladder and they're winning at work but they don't have the time that they want to be able to invest in their family life. And so it's, it, it is a common thread that impacts men and women in different ways. Absolutely. So, all right. So what led you to, so you, you I guess you talked about the, the issues you faced when you were working and when you talked to other women that were in corporate America. So you, decide to start positive hire, right? So tell us about that process. Oh, well, some of us are tail end Gen Xers and technology when we were younger (laughs) was different. And so I was telling people what I wanted to build. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, that's a tech company. I'm like, no, 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 it's just a website. Because at the time I was thinking a glass door for women of color. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, it's a tech company. And so I had to call one of my friends who's been in tech 20 years. They're like, why are they telling me what I want to do as a tech company? Like, yeah, you're dealing with data. That's technology now. And so I was like, oh, when did that change? You're like a few years ago. Don't worry about it. You were out building the power grid. <laughs> 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 so, so once I found out what I was building was a tech company, I was like, how do I, I don't code. I build a grid, right? Yeah. The power grid. And so what did that look like? And so I've done several accelerators, done partnerships, at really trying to understand how to do sales and marketing. So the technology in itself, coding it is not the, even the hard part. Mm-hmm. The hard part, especially with engineers, is the sales and marketing part. And yes. so I learned how to do marketing. I'm getting better at sales. Yes. <laughs> but um, it, it's some, somebody who does business development is like, yes, yes, it really, that is the hard part. And, and being human. On, on the other end of your, your sales calls and in meetings is truly important. The, the fortunate part for me, though, the very first job I had after finishing college was actually inside sales mm-hmm. for um, a small, um, a medium size. Well, it's a, it's a Fortune 500, but for a product line they had, and I got inbound calls. I didn't realize at the time that was an easy job. The outbound <laughs> sales call is <laughs> a hard job. And so that was how, that's where, you know, doing accelerators, understanding what are the parts of the business I need to focus on, how to define the problem, how to figure out what companies are willing to pay for. Yes. And and it's really interesting. So we have a B2B to C model. So business to business to consumer okay. or customer. And I literally started positive higher focus just on the women. And so I built community uh, off of that and understanding that women have jobs, they have families, they have other responsibilities. I did everything virtually. So okay. when, when we went virtual um, for the pandemic, I've been doing that for years already because that was the need that women had. Okay. And, and so then I had to really start focusing a couple of years later on understanding the B2B model and how to sell. And cause I was like, I'm going hungry. Um, my money looking real funny. <laughs> and so at this point, you know, you, you're probably saying, Oh, you should go raise money. Like, let me tell y'all something. You can spend six months to a year trying to raise money. In that six months to a year, you can get customers, right? Yeah. And so you generally, especially as a solo founder, you have to figure out, or even if you if you have co-founders, you have to figure out what is your strategy. And I'm always the one that's like, you need to sell it. Because in any business, you have to have customers. If you can't get customers, you don't have you don't have a business. It's a hobby. It looks cute. That is and, correct. And so that is where we are, which is we pivoted. Really, we were looking at building a people analytics or data analytics solution on the women's side. Then upon the murder of George Floyd, more companies wanted to talk about their diversity, equity, inclusion. How do we change things? And so we pivoted the company in, 2020, in 2021 because mm-hmm. we saw the shift in the mid-2020 mid to more around people analytics internal to organizations to really focus on building a diverse talent pipeline with people analytics. And that's where we are today is really selling that now <laughs> new product cool. because the market shifted. And so, and so as a founder, you have to be flexible. So first of all, so like in terms of your ideal client, uh, do, you, do you have a particular type of company that are your ideal client or just choose one uh, 
to kind of describe a little bit? Oh, I absolutely know who my ideal client is. So I look at um, medium-sized manufacturing companies from 1,000 to 5,000 employees, uh, you have U.S.-based operations. They do not have many uh, women, Black, Latina, or Indigenous in middle management as well as executive level. Mm-hmm. They make about $200 million in revenue. That that is my cus- that that is my ideal company profile. Then okay. for the organization, they literally have goals and they have funding, right? You can have a goal all day, but if you're not going to put money behind it, they have su- sufficient team, they have sufficient funding to drive their initiative to diversify their management staff and team. Mm-hmm. Those are my comp- Those are who we literally focus on and target for the solution we have because so cool. they are investing. So if you and like, so oh, how would you? Yeah. No, just okay. how would you summarize the problem that you solve? So the problem that we fought, we solve is to help medium-sized manufacturing companies retain diverse talent by providing learning and development and career advancing opportunities. Okay. And what is going to be for that company uh, the consequence of them not taking that action? Not taking that action. Let's just use the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission lawsuits from 2019. In the U.S., they paid out almost half a billion dollars in lawsuits. Wow. Racism in the U.S. cost organizations about $600 billion total in the U.S. So the ability to retain this talent, promote this talent, literally cuts down those lawsuits, but also it cuts down on your recruitment costs. Because when you're looking at science, technology, engineering, it's not necessarily just the cost of the talent that you spend with a recruiter, internal, external. It's the salary. It's the ability to deliver products and service to your customers. It is also the ability to get that talent that has 10 or plus years of experience. And so we focus literally on women that have 10 10 or more plus years in the industry. You don't find that going to uh, to a a college career fair. Yeah, yeah. You, You can come back in 10 years. (laughs) but you're not going to find it today so it's really important to understand if you're paying somebody 120,000 you're probably going to be out about half a million dollars to replace that one person especially if they're underserved or marginalized person in your organization hi this is james and i want to give you a personal invitation to come to the next success or ramp These are small group complimentary monthly meetings to help you win at work and at home. Are you interested in setting and achieving goals, in building habits that stick, becoming a more powerful communicator? Listen, you do not have to do this alone. Register for the next success on ramp today and join other like-minded people who are on the road to achieve success both in business and in life. Use the link in the show notes to grab your spot today. Wow. So if if they're looking at this issue, they want to be able to diversify their pipeline. They are mitigating against, you know, certain risks in terms of increased costs that it's going to take for them to recruit a similar individual because of all of the other auxiliary costs that are associated with that. So I, I think, you know, Michelle, that's a, a wonderful kind of origin story. I think what you're working on is absolutely great in um, making a difference. 
in the the area and the companies that you serve, uh, one of the things that you know I typically will ask the podcast guests is, you know, what are some success principles that you've been able to deploy or you've seen other women or people deploy that you would like to share with our audience? You have what you need to succeed. And oftentimes you get stuck in your head that I need to go get another degree. Do not go get another degree. Do not borrow money. Do not take money. You have what you need. And so education will not lend you to that executive role and that management role. What you should be focusing on is understanding the culture of that organization, understanding who would be the best sponsor for you in the organization. And we often hear mentors. I would tell you to find a sponsor. That sponsor removes barriers for you to move ahead in your career. And sometimes, and so, you, go ahead. Can, can you, I mean, just right there, because people may not understand the difference. Could you talk about the role of a mentor and then the role of a sponsor? Sure. So, and this is completely my, my take on mentors. Yeah. So a mentor would meet you on a Zoom or if you, or, or, you know, back in the day, pre-pandemic, and, and now some people still do this, they will meet you over lunch, maybe once or twice mm-hmm. a month. And you'll talk about what are your, your career goals, what resources you may need to hit um, a career goal. And they will mm-hmm. walk you through it, give you guidance, um, tap into their network to help you progress towards that goal. However, a mentor does not necessarily have the power and influence to help you become a senior executive. They may not have that power and influence. When we talk about sponsors, they have power and influence, not only in, let's say, your department, your division, your unit, your company, they could have it in the industry. And they can literally pick up the phone like, hey, I have a great engineer over here named Michelle Hayward. She, she shared with me how she really loved to work at an organization like yours. And I was calling to see, not, not knowing if they have a role open, right? Your sponsor will literally cause another connection they have and say, I think she would be really great as a senior director at your organization, literally. But what happens with a sponsor is they may not even sit down with you on a regular basis to get to know you. They're mm. included in closed door meetings that your mentor may not be, that you and your mentor may not even know about, and they will say your name. And so these people literally remove barriers, provide opportunity. And, and my first experience with a sponsor was, this is the role you're going to have. Literally, literally. Wow. And that was the role I got, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going with us to this next project. This is during the great pandemic. And so you have to understand the power influence that a sponsor has. And sometimes your mentor can be your sponsor. They do not have to be separate people, but oftentimes we are told to get a mentor. And what happens is we see a lot of white men in this space, they automatically get a sponsor. John, you remind me of my younger self, you know, 20 years ago, and they automatically get a sponsor and they'll get opportunity based off potential where we only get opportunities based off of performance. Wow. Repeatedly. And so those are the differences. And and what's the pro and the con of a sponsor as we work in hybrid workplaces and remote places is they don't even see us. They barely, they didn't even know we were engineers before because we were underrepresented. Now they don't even know we exist because we're in a virtual hybrid space. And so what I highly encourage you to do, find out, who and research people in your industry and in your organization who you would like to be sponsors, to sponsor you rather. Set up a 15 minute coffee break 
um, with them, coffee, chat, whatever. If you can't afford to, I would recommend, hey, just send them a Starbucks gift card. I ask them to eat like Dunkin' Donuts. Y'all know what the meeting regular is. I used to live in the Northeast. Don't. I'm in the South. We don't do that. But just send them a $10 or $15 gift card. and Because li- if you were meeting them in person, you would have paid for their coffee anyway. Yeah. And literally start doing that once a month, once a quarter to build those relationships. But go in there with tactics like, hey, I see you've done X, Y, and Z. I'm trying to do one, two, and three. I would like for you to be my sponsor. And these, and, and literally have one or two things, two or three things you want to achieve and why you think there would be a good sponsor. And you can send them that agenda before your your 15-minute coffee chat. and they will Because they're going to be like, wow, you're not on here talking about whatever. And you yeah. can include personal things about them. Like, oh, I see you went to Clemson as well. I see you were in civil, you did civil engineering. I like your career path. I would like you to sponsor me because I, I, I want to go along a similar path as you. And so those are the things we teach in our community of women to be proactive. If you are introverted as a black woman in dark skin, they just yeah. thought you were mean. And it, you, couldn't, <laughs> you can't even win. You can't even win. But what I tell introverted women right now, this is yeah. your time to shine because you get to talk to all of these people one-on-one where before you didn't want to talk to them at all because that was not your nature. That's just yeah. not who you are. And now you can do it individually. And us extroverts or amberverts, we're like, oh, only one-on-one? We can't do this as a, a group chat? Can't do a group. <laughs> <laughs> really take this time to shine. And so that's what I see the difference between mentor and sponsors, how you can go after, especially for women to get that sponsor and really utilize that to remove barriers, not only in your organization, but in your industry. So I like to pick people that have also been with three or four different organizations and people like, why? Because they've seen different cultures, they've learned different management styles, they have seen technology change, and they usually sometimes have more de- more and deeper connections than somebody that has been with an organization for 30 years. And so that's just my take. But I, I my mentor, my mentor was absolutely wild. Straight from Philly, first, um, first generation in his family go to college, that is a white guy. Um, he talks about the gang he was in as a white guy. And mm-hmm. he was in the same gang his sister was in. So that, so he had to go in that. And like, literally, he the crazy, he talks about how um, he would tell management, I'm not going to do this because if you're not doing it, I'm not doing it. I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. I like your energy. And so he literally, <laughs> but he did not, he's a structural engineer. He did not get his PE license. And I was mm-hmm. like, why? He said, because if I got my PE license, they would want me to work late want me to run teams. He said, I want to be able to go home to my wife and kids. That sounds crazy, right? No, to me, it sounds like he defines success on his terms, which is one of the things that I teach my clients to do. I love it. But this is the crazier part. His wife, electrical engineer, PE, Mm -hmm. project manager. She worked late. He went home to get the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, look, and in relationships, a lot of times we navigate how that's going to work. Uh, between my wife and I, we do the, the same thing. If somebody's working late, the other person steps in. Exactly. And it just depends on uh, the preference. But that preference has to be navigated between the couples exactly. and not by society and not saying, hey, man, you know, you're you're not supposed to be getting the kids. Your wife's supposed to do that. No, 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 no. You define what success looks like. Exactly. Exactly. So that that is how I pick people because, um, you know, and so you 
when you're looking for mentors and you're looking for sponsors, right. it's something that is going to spark that person about you, either to stay away from them or <laughs> towards them. And generally just go with go with your gut feeling because that is what's navigating and your intuition because that's going to navigate you to the right person. So we talked about success principles. One is that you already have what you need in order to move forward to the next level of position. You don't need to go to school, a different school. You don't need another degree. You have what you need. You've been working. You've been doing those things. You've been doing the thing. So it's kind of like having the confidence to continue to move forward and the take on that next challenge. Absolutely. And then the other success principle was, yeah, you can find a mentor, but you really want to find a sponsor. Um, and that the mentor may be able to provide general insight and wisdom to help you navigate your career. But your sponsor is going to play like the fullback and move things out of the way to clear the path for you to move forward. Absolutely. I, I want I want to add one other thing in, in here, in that, especially when it comes to Black, Latina, Indigenous women, mm-hmm. quantifying your successes. Oftentimes we make a laundry list of the things we do. What are the outcomes? Ooh. We Go ahead. quantify the outcomes of what you've done and literally had a coaching client And we were having this conversation. She worked in manufacturing pharmaceuticals during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And she like the production line went down and it was like, oh, usually line down for eight hours. She said, well, the line was down only for two. So I say the company six hours. But what she'd also told me was every time the line, every hour the line is down, the company loses a quarter million dollars. I said, no, Mm -hmm. you saved the company this many millions of dollars. Yep. I said, if you can quantify things in in revenue, cost savings, productivity, reduce that, like, because it, it all relates back to dollars. That's really how they're looking at it. Yeah. You are able to show the impact of your work as an engineer, as a tech professional, um, as a scientist, back to the the bottom line of that organization. And we often talk about all the things we did know. What was the outcome of those 15 ingredients you use? The outcome was nourishing your family so they can go out and do well in the world. And your your kids, you know, whatever, run their own online businesses. So you fed them well. Now they made $150,000 for the year in their online business. That was (laughs) your good cooking in those 15 ingredients, right? Or 15 meals. And so you really want to equate it back to that. Hey, this is James, and I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. We're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. So being able to equate the things back to the outcome not just the hours that you save, but the revenue that you generated or saved the company. Speak to it in words of the bottom line, um, because that's what's going to make more things move for you in your career. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, I have absolutely enjoyed our conversation. We're going to include a link to your LinkedIn profile or your website, wherever you want people to get in contact with you. Again, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Do you have any parting words or anything that you would like to say to our podcast audience? I have a lot, but I'm going to sum it up. (laughs) We have time. (laughs) Speak. What I want to say is bring the human into what you do as a science 
scientist, engineer, and technology professional. At the end of the day, the work we do impacts somebody's life. And you may think, oh, well, I'm only designing the road this way, or I'm looking at the concrete brake test results this way. We are truly impacting people's lives, and we always want to do it in a positive way. So remember, when you're doing the calculations or when you're checking something or you're out talking to, to, I don't know, for me, it was often contractors who may not have a degree. You don't Mm -hmm. have to use technical terminology with them. Being able to talk to them in a way where they can understand what needs to be done is most important. So go talk engineering, language, and technical speak with those that audience but also talk layman speaks when it comes to the public with people that may not be in this space. It is It speaks to a different language, but more importantly, understand they are human, treat them as though they are human and make sure they get what they need. And sometimes in construction and other places, it could be a piece of candy. It could be cold water, Gatorade for me when I was in construction mm-hmm. in the cooler or even um, safety glasses that were tinted, right? Like, oh my God, you have, those speak, very well of you, but you're starting to understand people on a human level and you're providing them with what they need. So don't be as technical as you are human because you're human every day before you're every before you're even technical. So that's, those are my final thoughts. Wow. So you gotta be, don't forget the humanity, right? Um, Absolutely. That is absolutely a blast. Michelle, again, Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm going to end this episode like I end every episode, and that's this. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and there are a select group of people that actually follow through, do it, and are living the life of their dreams. Michelle, I want to thank you for being part of that select few. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life. And it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks. Thanks.